Hey everybody, we are here today with a drummer, guitar player, a musician here in town, Scotty McBee. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty awesome. Thanks for thanks for being here, man. Yeah. Um. So you and I met at your jam, I'm sure, at at, at your guys' jam. I don't know, eight years ago or yeah, however no, long it was. No doubt about it. I know that's where we met. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, you, your, your guys' jam is really unique. There's a lot of blues jams in town, and they kind of stay with that, you know, shuffle funk slow and like 12 bars and stuff. But, but you, and then you've got kind of the jazz jams that are a whole nother animal. But you guys do a really, a really unique, a unique kind of thing. Like, like talk, about, talk about your jam that you guys got going. Well, yeah, it started 16 years ago when uh, one of the previous owners of Jerry Spade's shop approached uh, a longtime buddy of mine, Justin Collette, and I about hosting a, a jam. We had this idea about it and that it would be more of a party. It'd be a, mm -hmm. you know, a, basically a rock jam, but, uh, but, but anything goes jam, mm -hmm. which it did, boy, it really was, especially mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. But so Justin and I started the jam then at the Lenexa location where it's still going and uh, it was just he and I, and we ran sound from the stage. And the idea was, since he and I both play drums, bass, guitar, and sing, and large repertoire, that all it would take is one person to sit in, yeah. and we'd be able to do that. So uh, we started it, and it, and it grew uh, pretty well. And within a year, it was, it was quite uh, successful. And there was a guy named Brett Boulay, who you also know, mm -hmm. uh, who was coming out every week, and we were utilizing him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it became a thing where it's like, well, okay, there's this thing successful. So we we approached said owner and uh, said, hey, uh, now that there's some revenue, can we? Well, first of all, get a raise for ourselves, <laughs> and and add a third, you know, member to the team, so we have a complete band essentially to back anybody on anything because this guy that's been coming is really good. Mm -hmm. So Brett's been there ever since and he still is. Yeah. So uh, so Brett and I have, have hosted Jam Night for eons. And then when Justin basically retired, for lack of a better term, uh, that's where Craig Summy came in and you know, you interviewed him yep. recently. He's probably still talking. Uh, <laughs> he, he talks a lot. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got something to say though. He's yeah. a nice guy. Captain guy. Chaos. Yeah, I could talk conversationally, but yeah, I'm not the one to talk on the mic, and he is fantastic at it. Yeah, so. he is very good on the mic. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and he's a drummer and, and an entertainer, because Justin was the guy to talk on the mic. Yeah. So, that, you know, we needed that guy mm -hmm. when Justin retired, so we brought in Craig, and so now for quite a while now, and we've had Brandon Miller for a bit, mm -hmm. who, you know, he started coming to jam when he was like 13, and now yeah, he's touring right. the world, right. you know. But uh, and has hosted his own jam, mm -hmm. but uh, and all that kind of stuff. But the, back to the the crux of the the question about the jam, you know, we've we did not want it to be yet another blues jam. Yeah, there's already yeah. a ton of those. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, but four hours of doo 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 would drive nuts. Tore down, <laughs> tore down again. <laughs> You know, and, and Stevie Ray clone after Stevie Ray clone again, I'm right, sorry, right. but you know, you know, just, I, I like a vast repertoire, mm -hmm. you know, I come from the jazz background, my degree's in classical, but, uh, you know, and 
uh, rock and roll. I love rock and roll, and you know, we've added a ton of country. So we want to run the gamut. That's, I think that's more interesting. Mm -hmm. It covers more ground. A lot more people can get involved, you know, and mm -hmm. they do, you know. Yeah, I think so. that your guys is uh, a couple things that I'm always impressed by with your jam. Um, the one is your guys' set list is absolutely monstrous. I mean, you guys, everybody can come up and, and you know, and for sure, you guys pretty much have. I always notice this at our shows that my buddy that I play with, he likes it when people tell him like, like for requests or something, they tell him an artist, and he's like, okay, well we know this one, you know, from James Taylor or some random person, and you guys do a really good job with that, where you guys have these little seriously these little books that you can, you know, that yeah. everybody can almost, you know. I hate to say it, but almost like karaoke, you know, I mean, where it's, mm -hmm. they can look through this huge list of stuff and... And we have lyrics for everything, yeah. so they're not afraid to, I don't know the words, but we yeah. got them. Yeah, we got, yeah, and so that's one thing that's really cool about you guys, is that you guys have this huge number of, um, number of songs that you play. Um, so, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is, is, and the reason why on a lot of the shows we've been talking about open jams a lot is that... Open jams are such a big part of the scene here. You know, there's a lot of them. There's 12 or 15 open jams a week, mm -hmm. and everybody like a lot of people like going to them, and they're they're fairly well attended. And so the all of us kind of have these mo these things that we wish could happen at jams, or things that that of why we go to this jam and not that jam. You know, and so like I've been trying to think of like a list of things that if I were running an open jam what I would have one that I love that you guys do and this is proven when I like I walk up on stage and you're like seriously ready to hand me a chord you know and and there's not this it in between songs and you're like wait where's the power strip and, and you're just boom boom go, boom go, go. and uh dead air sucks and you you guys do that on purpose obviously right oh yeah it's all by design we all have our roles to play so you know, besides obviously being a musician, which is my typical role in everything I do, but on that gig, you're you're um, stagehand too, and mm -hmm. and uh, trying to keep that keep that going, be prepared. You know, we've been doing it so long. You know, all those angles have been hit. Yeah. So, yeah. do you have a capo? Yes, I do. Do you have a pick? Yes, I do. Yeah. You know, there's two amps. There's you know because you know maybe in the early days, you know, we've already troubleshot all those things. Yes. So yeah. now we're ready right know, yeah and have been for for years and yeah try and keep it mm. keep it rolling and that's like jam logistics i guess is kind yeah. of what you're what we're talking about and so i thought that was really cool because i'll go to some other jams and they're well there's a power strip around here somewhere you know and you're just like all right dude, disorganized you know? nope yeah that's how you lose people yeah yeah so that that's one thing that i love about your guys' stuff and you know, th this is the question where we're gonna, where I'm gonna purposefully start getting myself in trouble. But, uh, but I, you know, I have this theory on that I, I didn't coin this phrase, but I, I thought of this phrase while doing the show is the idea of cluelessness, and that's that's one of the things that probably annoys me the most in music now. After you know, and one example of that is, you know some chick comes on stage and she's like, okay, let's do this song. And you're like, what key? And she's like, well, I don't know. You know, that's one example of cluelessness about knowing what you, you know, yeah. what do you need to know before you maybe should be getting on the stage right now? That's a whole, you know, elephant in the room kind of mm -hmm. thing that a lot of us that go to jams are annoyed at. Um, 
you know, not necessarily to get yourself in trouble, but I don't know if you'd be able to, you know, kind of speak on this that. This is where bit. you and I can get in trouble and, and others like us, you know, the, the studied musician and yes. all that kind of stuff. And uh, everyone knows the Scotty look, the Scotty <laughs> stare, whatever it is, it, which is a gut reaction. It's never personal, mm. but, you know, I hear something, you know, not right. And, and yes, <laughs> and, and I get, you know, known for this. But, uh, which, you know, uh, I, I sort of apologize for because at, at the jam, there's no place for it. Mm -hmm. It's one thing if you're working with fellow pros, but you still, it's not, it, it shouldn't be on stage. Mm -hmm. Actually, most of the time with, uh, with each other, if a mistake is made or whatever, for years now, we have this joke where we'll just start looking around like, like what was that? You know, and it's like, that's, that's our... To, to not call out any specific yeah, person. Yeah, right? we, yeah, we just yeah. hear it and go, what the, you know? It, like, it's just, there's this mistake flying yeah, around. Yeah. But, so that's the fun thing that we do. But, nevertheless, um, with, it's, the jam is meant for, especially ours, um, for the layman, for, for mm -hmm. you know, the general public, to be a rock star for a moment. Yeah. You know? And that, that has always been the thing. So as much as I'm not as, as receptive to that, being this, this snobby musician, but Craig is very good about that, you know, um, and uh, Justin was, you know, and Brett is, is a, a bit more tolerant in that regard than I am as well. So, yeah. Um, but I understand that that is the thing. So yeah, it drives me nuts. And a big thing that, uh, that we have to do is be able to take that curveball and hit it. Yeah. You know, if if that cluelessness comes on stage and and we get, you know, into the tune of uh oh, we've we've gotta kinda save the day without like just completely stepping over yeah said person. But, you know, often if, if they miss a vocal entrance, I'll go to the mic and, and just kinda get them started and then back off, you know. Yeah. And so but uh, Justin and I years ago coined the phrase Jam Night Jedi mm -hmm. because you have to have this cat-like readiness and, and complete mm -hmm. awareness of everything going on. Uh, it's not enough just to know what you're doing. You have to know what everyone else is doing, what's happening with the sound, what's, you know, and even what's happening in, in the bar to some yeah. degree. And uh, speaking of the total a Wednesday awareness. night. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, yeah, but, hey, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, but, you're, uh, you're talking about the... Uh, the uh, uh, when someone uh, a male got too chemically amused and uh, and uh, to say well anyway yeah, that anyway, was dealt yeah, that but... was dealt with quickly and I gotta say as far as Jerry's bait shops concerned in sixteen years every Wednesday and a lot of weekends and I was playing in there even before sixteen years mm -hmm. um, so however many hundreds and hundreds of times I played there I've maybe seen five or six fights yeah. Period. Yeah, and that's not Those very are many. good yeah. odds. Yeah. You know, and every time dealt with. Right. So, because, you know, that's another thing about Jerry's Jam Night. It's really a family thing in terms of, not necessarily family, but uh, however, the, the kids are great. Yeah, yeah. Love the kids coming to jam and, mm -hmm. and spreading their wings and getting getting out of their shells. But, um, it's everybody there's an ebb and flow to it but there's always some core group of people that are always there and have one another's back right. and, and make it this fun thing yeah you know and I know you you sense that see that sure. and yep. you've been coming long enough you've probably seen the ebb and flow here's this bunch and this bunch and then every once in a while somebody comes back hey haven't seen you in right. forever 
you know, and always embraced. Hey, right. welcome home. Yeah. You know, yeah, like the last time you just came in, mm -hmm. you know, we hadn't seen you in a while. I was like, right. ah, there's Rob, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So like, and, and that, so with that idea of the cluelessness, that's, that's where I get my sight. And I'd love your, your word, the snobbish thing. Cause I, I feel that exact same way. And I'll just, you know, just straight up admit it that I'm a little bit of, a little bit of a snob when it comes to things being quality, you know? And so I'm at this place where even even the jazz guys understand this idea that you've got you've got to suck at this jam a little, you know. I mean, when you first come out, you, you're going to kind of suck for a couple times, and then you sort of end up getting it. And understanding that the jams are for these laymen, you know, these these kind of weekend war not weekend warrior, but the you know the people that aren't 100% professionals. And so the idea of being sensitive to that and understanding that they're they're not you know million years practice like you are or anybody else that you know you got to kind of give them some slack but you know the what i'm what i'm annoyed at is when is coming up with this idea of is there a baseline of ability that you need to have before you get up at an open jam and that's kind mm. of a really you know that's a loaded question i've heard a lot of different answers to that yeah how you know ever some people would say no it's it's for the jammers and you need to do the jedi thing of just you know kind of fix it for them and adjust technically and, that's where we stand yeah it should be for anyone as annoying as it could be but that's where you have to be ready to pounce with uh either just getting the the host team back up to get the energy back mm -hmm. or call someone that you know yeah. is awesome you know if if there's a a dull moment or whatever and occasionally someone not being a you know a long time pro uh if you do it right it's fun oh yeah and pe yeah. and people eat it up because yeah. you know because they're not expected to mm -hmm. be awesome and uh so and then they surprise you a yeah, little bit from that angle, in a while, well know. those are my favorites yeah. i mean inevitably the the person that comes up who you hadn't seen before, and they're like, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I'm so good, and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, ah, they're going to suck. Right. Because um, if you're really that good, you have nothing to prove, and you're yeah. going to prove it on stage. Yeah. You're not going to talk yeah. about it. So, and then the modest ones sometimes come up and blow you out of the water. They yeah. don't say a word. They, they come up, and, and they're like, hey, do you guys care? Can I play? You know, and there's like this soft-spoken yeah. whatever, and then they get up on stage. They're a monster. You're like, whoa! Mm -hmm. There was a guy, he's in L.A. now, a guy named Brett, Brett Eklund, a uh, fantastic guitarist. He, he went out and, and, and started studying jazz. Now he's primarily doing jazz. So, but... Uh, I think he only came to jam once, but it was enough to make an impression. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, wow, who is this guy? And he was even saying, I don't really know any songs. I just, you know, so we just probably picked the blues, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, play on. And then it was like, whoa, mm -hmm. this guy's for real, yeah. you know? So that's, I mean, that's one example of that. Yeah. There's tons of examples of the other, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm the, the one I don't remember who said it. it was somebody on the show that said this, but it was the when when I want to come at come at this argument of because I've heard other guys talk about they're down in Mississippi or something, and you know that you get, I mean they run it super hardcore, right? You get up and and if you suck one time, they chop they chop your ass, you know, and mm -hmm. they have right off the stage, and you know, well, thanks for coming, but you know, yeah, you need to go home. I mean, they'll tell you, right? You need to go home and practice, and they'll be real hardcore about it, and so you know. 
I don't mind that maybe, you know, like maybe the foundation or something has that type of an attitude where they, they're going to kind of make you be decent, you know, and they're not going to let you up there unless you're decent. And then there's other, I love that there's a span, you know, if there's another one that is more right. for, you know, beginnerish people and they're totally okay with it. And then there's other ones like when you go down the blue room and they, you know, everybody down there just kind of, you know, you get one, one jammer out of four nights that is, you know, pretty average and the rest of them are pretty good. You oh, yeah. know? And, and so who totally deserve to be up there. But I just don't know, like one guy told me, so let's pretend a jam has this really hardcore attitude or let's pretend that like literally all jams have this hardcore attitude. So let's say you had a guy who was 60 whatever years old, just retired basically to play music and basically I'm going to like stop him from his dream. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a good argument. That's yeah. the best one I've ever heard that's is that how, news, how yeah. dare I do that? You mm -hmm. know, just because I want this music to be good. Yeah, yeah because it's I don't not know a what gig. to say to that. You it's know? not a gig. It's a jam. Yeah. You know, if, if I hired someone just on faith and it was like, uh oh, well, I'm not going to hire him again. Right. But and now that's different. That's, right? that's, that's a that's, whole different yeah, ballgame. Yeah. And speaking of different ballgames, you bring up the jazz world. I mean, I, I spent most of, well, at least uh, post, you know, through college, po post college for a long time. I mean, I, I played drums with Ida Macbeth for 19 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, I didn't know you played that long with her. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, uh, you know, I mostly knew the jazz scene because, you know, in college you're, you're actually studying the higher arts. And, yeah. and sorry, rock isn't one of them as much as I'm a rock guy. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it is a whole different ball game. Jazz is immensely more difficult and involved, and you cannot set foot in public playing that music until you're ready. Yeah. Or you'll get eaten alive. Ah, my own jam experience mm -hmm. uh, on this kind of subject. I was um, freshman in college, uh, and through junior high, high school, and all that kind of stuff. Everybody, you know, you're always first chair because, of course, you know, mm. people don't practice. Um, so, so you're finally in this, this environment that you've, you've been yearning for for all, all this time where everybody's badass. That's a, a, yeah. a reason I went to a conservatory versus other schools. There's only certain spots available. It's not just uh, another band. It's like, no, you have to earn your spot, keep your spot. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. But... Uh, so I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. I went mm -hmm. to, um, it's uh, the Mulebach. It was at the bar mm -hmm. of the Mulebach. And my buddy, Tony LaPuma, uh, at the time was playing bass with the McFadden brothers. Mm -hmm. both, so both Lonnie and Ronnie. Yeah. And uh, they were running essentially a jam. Uh, so I went down with some other friends. Uh, in fact, I think it was Matt Kane and Kathleen Holman. Um, who were a few years advanced, but you know, saw potential. So, hey, let's go sit in on this jam. So I go up and call Cherokee, <laughs> uh, which is traditionally done at warp speed. Yeah, 300 yeah. or something, you know. You know, which, you know, I had pretty good chops and, and whatnot, but uh, but it was probably Lonnie, who was like, really? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and so they just, you know, beyond warp speed mm -hmm. and you know, and, and like with no hesitation, oh, here we go, one, two, one, two, three, bang. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Yeah. And I got eaten alive. Right. You were playing drums. I was playing them. drums. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, even a, a fairly decent drummer at 19, I got eaten alive. Yeah. So that could have gone one of two ways. 
I could have just, you know, tail, I did tail between the legs, but just, okay, uh, I'm demoralized, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Or I'm demoralized and I got work to do. So mm -hmm. a year later, I joined their band. Yeah, yeah. And played played with them for a little bit, played with Bill Crane's band for a little bit, which is also a warp temp, warp drive mm -hmm. songs. So by the time I, I graduated college and and uh, and started playing with Ida, there was only a couple, you know, fast tunes in there, and I was like, that's no problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> I, I love what you said right there, because I, I, I feel that exact same way where I mean there's a bunch of things you said there that was interesting. One, you took a moment where you got your butt handed to you and then you like you said you went one of two ways you could just shut down or you can let it drive you and you're at that moment we're all going to leave the restaurant with our tail between our legs but it's what happens afterwards right yeah, is no doubt about and it. there's a lot of i think that happens a lot with our students that we have now where they're gonna pick this one over that one you know and they're just gonna be like well i guess music just isn't for me and they're gonna go that route and you know, realizing that this, the the awesome thing is that nothing in life that's worth having is easy, you know, and, and that the reason why this is so awesome is because you, you spend 32 years on it and then all of a sudden you go just wax everybody, but you've done all the work, you know, you've, you've spent the time and that's when, that's what people don't understand about classical music is classical music while you're doing it is not fun. It's not fun at all, right? I mean, you're sitting here playing this, these two measures like 40 times in a row, but then when you can play the whole song, boy, it gets really fun. And they don't, they don't know that because they've never gotten to this spot, right? Or they don't want to. They, they don't want to go through that whole thing. They're not willing. They're not yeah. willing. And I, and I, I told you when you asked about this interview, I'll mm. probably make enemies, but the sloth that is mm. the American musician of the last at least 70 years mm -hmm. it's just gotten exponentially lower and lower standards mm -hmm. and you know I, that's not the background I come from I had hard ass teachers mm -hmm. and I've personally gone back and thanked each and every yeah. one of them yeah. for you know me going do I really go to do this mm -hmm. and yeah and and but being as I wanted to get there bad enough was, yes right. sir and yeah. I, I did, and I thank them, mm -hmm. right? Um, when people ask, you know, how did you get, you know, how, how do you play like that? And I was like, well, I did this, 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 and this, and this, and this. Yeah. Every day for years and still do. They don't want to hear that. Yeah. You know, and especially when they say, well, I, okay, I'm going to come study with you, uh, you know, whether it be a kid or an adult, you know, and then they find out and it's like, I'm not kidding. And they don't last long. Right. Um, I have a lot of what I call retreads, which are uh, adults who didn't study the first time and, and, and realize how limited they are. It's like, okay, well, I'm serious now because I, I want to be able to do this. And you're saying this is what it takes. Okay. So they come back and it's like, no, they find out why they didn't work hard the first time. Mm -hmm. So for anybody that thinks musicians are sitting around on their butt, because now mm -hmm. as a, as a full-time professional, um, it's, it, let's not forget this is music business. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, from the time I woke up before even coming here, 
I've been it just in full business mode. Yeah. And as soon as we're done, uh, here's okay. <laughs> what calls do I gotta make? Oh, oh, emails, oh, yeah. whatever. It's yeah, nonstop yeah, yeah, yeah. from the time you wake up, mm -hmm. and then eventually go play your gig mm -hmm. that's been in the making for for perhaps mm -hmm. months. Right. Right. And all people see is the end result of a ton of work. Mm -hmm. Right. The fun part. Right. right. And uh, maybe they they see the gear portion, which I hate gear, but uh, <laughs> it's just part of the deal. You know, if you're not uh, if you don't have the means and and clout to have people set up your gear for you, you're doing it, mm -hmm. you know. I know a lot of, I, I've joked about this too, how a lot of different, different instruments tend to make you certain personalities. It's kind of a weird thing, like in football, where the, the prima donna wide receivers, right, and then the leader, uh, the leader quarterback, mm -hmm. and then the kind of go with the flow line, you know, and I think a lot of musicians, like viola, cello, and violin have that kind of a thing in orchestra you know laid back guys are the cello players prima donnas are the violins <laughs> etc well guitar players they i have the worst people in all of music about obsessing about your equipment is guitar players they, they're the worst you know they're always you know Seems talking about your yeah oh well this guitar and oh how many how many uh how many uh, how many volts does your you know Fender da, 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 da have you know and they're just you don't yeah. but what I always find funny is that they're way more interested in their equipment than the practicing you know and that that's kind of one Typically, thing yeah. typical guitar but not all guitar players right. obviously but a lot of people tend to want the purple violin because it's so cool but then they don't do any work and they still it you can hand them a Stradivari and they still suck yeah it's yeah. not going to help you you know yeah. and a really great player can be handed a piece of crap and then they shred your face off you know and so no doubt about it yeah and so i'm just always fascinated by that about i'm nervous when i have all this you know all these pedals and my my pick up on my instrument on my violin and stuff i mean i'm nervous to give that to even to, even during lesson to show it to an eight, like an eighth grader, for example, I'm nervous to do that because I want to keep them learning how to actually play. Yeah. Then maybe a year later when they can really play something, then show them all these little fun, stupid little toys that you can do, but they go to the toys first, you know, and then yeah. they don't, you know, I, Th that is, you know. I mean, that's a different mindset. And again, we're talking about musician versus, I don't know. Uh, you're right. There's a, I'll, I'll get in a, a gear discussion with, with people because it's it's just part of our uh, you know we, we we do occasionally like to talk gear but yeah. ultimately I, I I'm so absolutely with you on this because spending all this time obsessing on gear and uh, tone even tone yeah, I, mean, I, I can't yeah. I can't I can't argue with that because good tone is awesome yeah but I haven't even obsessed upon that I'm like yeah but can you play because when it's time to play that's to me, all that matters. Do you know what a flat five is? You yeah, know, all, I mean, do you know, all, all that yeah, kind of stuff, then, you know, I mean. Yeah, all the, all the actual, yeah. uh, you know, study. Yeah. That's a whole other, other thing. But yeah, when I see somebody with a pristine piece of gear, I'm like, that better be brand new or you don't get out much. Mm -hmm. You know, because I'll, I'll get crap about, you know, even my, my equipment being dirty. And it's like, man, I just, you know, I don't got time. You know? It's a player's guitar. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, I mean, first of all, I've had that since I was 10 years old, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah. you know, there's, you, you get set up, you play, you tear down and go home so you can get ready for whatever's next. I mean, there's, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and 
do all of those yeah. things. I don't know, but that's that's just me, you know. Yeah. One so on that same kind of note, I guess is that one of my I know you and I kind of hit it off right away because I I hate describing other people's playing because I usually get myself in trouble. Like I'm I end up insulting them while I'm trying to like you know. But I think I can, I think I'm pretty pretty close on this one where I think you and I are similar where our head is trained right. We've done a lot of but in here is rock you know and and a lot of guys that couple bands that remind me of that is maybe like a steely dan you know mm. those guys are trained but they're rock guys dream theater is obviously one of them maybe somebody like a fish or something you know where they're mm. trained but and i think you and i are very similar in that where we like all this other rock kind of stuff but but we like candy for myself i guess i i have to like play intellectually or else like my head explodes you know <laughs> Usually it's the other way. You start doing intellectual stuff and your head explodes. But the one one of my favorite stories to to think about with with you and I is so so we I came to your jam, and I usually call random stuff for you guys. Maybe even that isn't in the book. But so one time we got up and played No Rain, right? Mm -hmm. Blind Melon, and so we started to do the back and forth. You know, we did a big jam and we did the call and answer kind of stuff, which was really fun. Well, then one time, I can't remember which one of us started it, but one of us, like, threw Jingle Bells in the middle, right? And then the other one came back with, like, Star Wars, right? And then, like, I, I did, like, Flintstones, and then you did Scooby-Doo or something, you know? Or yeah. You know, and so, but we were, like, we were, like, quoting songs back and forth to each other, which I had never seen anybody do that. Uh, I, I've heard people quote stuff, obviously, which, but... Yeah, which means not only do you have to have the... The ear training, but the wherewithal. Not all the all of those tunes are major or minor. Yes. Uh, and depending on where they sit, so you might have to go modal with them, mm. you know. And so it's like, well, really, okay. So if, if we're in this key, but I need to play this mixolydian line, I got to put it here. Yeah. You know where. And the rhythm to fit too. And the you rhythm know? to yeah, fit yeah. and all the, all of those things. Yeah, I I, I love as a, as a mental exercise, and especially then in the heat of battle, like like we mm. do, because mm. you're you're under this heightened pressure as well. Yeah. Ah, like, oh, you know, roll it extra. Yeah. Roll it extra, <laughs> like, nah, yeah. You know, so a combination of even coming up with the tune, in real time. Mm. Coming up with the tune, figuring out what mode it's going to be compared to what we're, what key is around mm -hmm. us, and and even if those harmonic changes are moving, it's like okay, okay, that's not going to work, that's not going to work, but this one will over these chords, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. that and that's the kind of stuff that that non-trained musicians, um, I I don't think they they realize the processes that are going on. It's hard that, yeah, at, at yeah. lightning speed. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, and that that stuff is so fun to do. I mean, that that's that's what I guess I'm getting at of the when you're playing something, and and this is a silly thing to say, but you're like, we're like so bored that we like have to do something like that, you know? Right. It's funny. To me, I know but, my regular stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm tired okay, of it. You know. And, <laughs> well, so so we did that, you know, maybe a couple times where we started to do the Star Wars stuff back and forth or whatever. Well, then one time I got the crazy idea to bring in some Christmas tunes, right? That was a blast. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, and, and so I had this big list of every December. I just go through and use that as my practice session for the month. And I go through and try them in different keys and up on my neck and just do like technique exercises on these fun songs. And there's like 35 like 
good Christmas songs. So I bring this list in, and so I'm like, okay, so this time we're gonna do no rain, but we're gonna go back and forth with Christmas songs. So you, you know, you, you know, I don't remember exactly which ones they were, but you were like Frosty to me, and then I'm like Sleigh Ride to you, and you're like Joy to the World, and I'm like, okay, well here's rocking around the Christmas tree, here's yeah. you know, and we're, and that was. Uh, I think one time, maybe the first time, we kind of fumbled it a little bit, but I remember the second time was killer. Like we, we just, you know, and we nailed like every one and, and, uh, and sometimes, sometimes the beat is like a straight, but the thing is swung, all right? Yes. Or it's in three and you or gotta put it in four and like, you know, so it's, yeah. it's kind of hard, but that was one of my favorite things to think about with, with you is just doing that is, is just insanely fun, you know? In our nerdy way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, now that I think about it, it's like having that list. It, you were saying in the month of December, you put together mm -hmm. that list, and and you know we we both teach. I'm I'm trying to mm -hmm. teach less because the aforementioned, I'm sick of people that don't want to learn. Yeah. But um, using all of those simple melodies of uh, Christmas tunes uh, as as ear training, and 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 uh, you get solfege involved, and mm -hmm. and uh, either numbers or solfege or whatever uh, to work with students on. You know that that's a nice list, mm -hmm. all of those things. You know, and I know on, on violin. I mean, sometimes that what what is the Suzuki method mm -hmm. can be employed. Oh, definitely. You know? Yeah, just so, ear, just heavy, heavy ear training. Heavy ear training. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I like the the you know ear training with with traditional. You know, I, I don't think uh, any one method is is good enough. That's why you study with multiple teachers. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Eventually, you culminate. You know, okay, I got this from them. I got this from them. You know, uh, to become who you are, and then you know, mm -hmm. pass that on to the next. But yeah, in in orchestra, it's impossible to play an orchestra if you don't sight read it. Just that you just no. can't. You know, I mean, yeah. it, and short of you know, short of a you know a Stevie Wonder person, you know, blind blind guy who's just a freak. Yeah. You know, that can just memorize stuff crazy. But but at the same time. Uh, School, you know, school orchestra. It's pretty much all sight reading, and what what we just talked about, sight readers cannot do that. Right. You know, they they're no way. You know, and and especially if they've never like improved or whatever. You know, I mean, few that, few have both. Yeah. And they're amazing. Yeah. I, you know, well, a lot of the jazzers have both. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, they, they've been trained. To, they can read, yeah. play in the big band. Yet when it comes solo time, they can you know solo over a complex harmonic progression. Right. But uh. Yeah, I, I'm more of the of the uh, you know academic variety. I, of course, I could I could sight read uh, because my my uh, serious training in that regard is mm -hmm. in percussion. So, you know, non pitched percussion specifically, not worried about it. I yeah, can read yeah. all of that. A little bit um, tougher when it gets into tonal things, sure. uh, marimba and, and such. Oh yeah, and and of course it's been years, and I I, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't use that at all. So. But uh, yeah, I remember to pass piano proficiency, you know, there's all these different angles of it. So, uh, you know, the, the more hardcore classical people come in, they'd stick the music in front of and they just play it. Blah, 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 no problem. Yeah. And the rest of us are like, uh, e, e, you know, geez. Until we have it memorized. And then the other parts of, you know, where they're yeah. saying, you know, okay, play, play uh, um, you know, Play these chords and, and play something against you, and that's where we excelled. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're putting all these alt voicings in and all this, you know, fun, yeah, fun stuff on these. But anyway, yeah. So, okay, so I love nerd stuff. Uh, I know, I, know. <laughs> I am a complete music music nerd. But okay, so what I was thinking about the other day is, so we've got, 
you know, if you, if you talk about kind of the levels of musician, you know, there's, there's a lot of the blues guys, like the jammer blues guys that learn their, they've got their kind of four keys, their three, you know, their, their, you know, funky, shuffle, slow, you know, styles, and then now they can literally play 800 blues song, you know, I mean, just yeah. with three styles and four different keys, A, D, G, C, you know. Right. And, and so I was trying to think of, because the jazz guys are on a whole different, you know, they're on a whole different level, but I was thinking about what would be the next step up for them. And one thing that came to mind is when I played a song, what was the song called? It was like, like maybe like Avalon or there, there's, there's this handful of jazz tunes that are like the, maybe all of me might fall in that category where there's, you know, there's like maybe nine chords in that song, eight different chords, you know, E7, C, but, and so I was wondering if, if, and, and they're all majors and minors. I don't think there's even any diminished in all of me either. Yeah, I mean, they're and usually so, a series of two fives. Right, it's right. a series of two fives. But I'm, I guess I'm thinking of like how many chords would you have to learn? Because a lot of blues guys do know a couple minors. You know, they'll play minor blues as well. And so would that be a good like middle ground if we're going to like, you know, urge some of these blues guys that maybe if they practice a little bit could do an all oh. of me, you know, and in like a stair step yes. kind of spot before they get to the Cherokee and the well, stupid yeah. uh, giant steps. I've taken, like I've taken Troubadour Retrievers out on things where we need to play like a dinner set. So mm. I'll handpick some, some jazz tunes that are easy enough yeah. that all of us, myself included because I'm on guitar, because drum, I get hang yeah. with, with you know about any, about anybody on the in the in the jazz world because that's where my hardcore training is. So I know just enough to play some jazz on guitar. Yeah, um, and then I'd usually hire a sax player, right. you know, mm -hmm. to to really take the brunt of yeah. the soloing, and we'd do our best. But yes, there's there's some of that repertoire. Obviously, all blues, so you're already yeah. starting with a blues. Right. Um, but or something like a blue monk would be easy for him, right? You just go to yeah. B flat, swing blues, and then you're all, all these tunes it. with blue in the title, blue yeah, bossa. Exactly. Because yeah. you know, just yesterday I was watching uh, you know our good friend Candace Hill, mm -hmm. uh, pan player, and she's got these great guys with her, Joe Michelon and Max Berry, you know. Um, but yeah, they were playing blue bossa, and it's it's ultimately harmonically a, a simple tune. Yeah. So some of some of those little ingredients that us us rock blues guys can. Uh, are limited to you can make that work on those changes yeah, yeah. you know right. and, and it's not flying either dun, 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 dun. right yeah it's, it's not not yeah. and the bosses are, yeah. yeah the bosses are good because it's it's yet it's not it's not it doesn't have the swing going so you don't have to deal with that right so it, you know essentially you know uh you know, straight like like most rock tunes. Right. So rhythmically, I had a lot of time. I had a lot of easier time on the on the Latins than I did yeah. the swing at first because right. you got that march kind of stuff that I'm so used to doing. Totally. And da 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 da. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, everything's just super even, and even some funky stuff can be. It's kind of a Latiny funk kind of like sometimes when I played stuff like. Uh, like chameleon or something, you know, yeah. it would be kind of a Latin funk, you know, it wasn't super swingy, like a superstition. Superstition yeah. is kind of a swingier funk, and I would think some of those guys would be able to handle some of the Latin stuff more than they think. Yeah, could be, yeah. You know, 
So I, I, I've just been and thinking about... And certain simple blues is to, just to learn a different, uh, a different turnaround. Freddie the Freeloaders, you know. Yeah. Instead of going to the five, it's, it goes to this flat seven thing, you know. And so just for, for once to learn, okay, I have, to, I have to get out of the box yeah. for this one chord. Yes. Right? And, and, and you know, it's got to start somewhere. As long as you understand, since, the, since blues guys are just going to be primarily playing pentatonics, as, mm-hmm. as do I most of the time. Yeah. But, uh, but first of all, don't play a minor pentatonic over a clearly major tune. Please switch, yes. to, switch to a, a major pentatonic. All you got to do is move three frets. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good point because then a lot of these songs have all of these all of these set regular doms, minor and major, and then they've got that one B flat diminished. Well you go learn one chord, yeah. step it up, learn right. the one learn chord, the right? And then now you can sort of play the song. Yeah. You know, and so like I, I've just been wishing that that that's where like we were talking about earlier of, of somebody looks at you and they got their jaw down and they're like oh my gosh you're so I'm like yeah well I just kind of kind of made myself learn this you know I just you know step it up and sucked it up and and yeah. learn this at least one chord today yeah. you know I mean you could do a chord a day or something I mean you don't you you don't have to go you know giant yeah. steps today you know you learn one chord and now you've got a new thing you know? it is a daily thing because I I think people want to jump in. You know, so much where it's like, well, you know, I'll, well, I'll practice, you know, five hours today, but then not touch the instrument for a week. And it's like, that's not how learning works. You're more, you're served better learning any skill in any trade, doing it five minutes. Yes. Every day. Mm-hmm. Right? It's repetition, right? It's, yeah, it's it's the dailiness of it and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. That's how we get, Yeah. you know, that that's that's how we learn. So, that takes more discipline, and, though, and retain more times that you have to study. You know, and it, then, it takes discipline. Yeah, but you know, but art and discipline as terms aren't that uh, removed from one another. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look them up, they're they're quite related. So, we think of like the accountants or something as these left brain, you know, people, and they're separate from yeah. these these creative musicians. Well, yeah. well, they separate yeah. they separate athletics as well, but it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. still discipline. Uh, you know, uh, ancient Greeks figured that out a long mm-hmm. time ago. They put uh, athletics and, and art, you know, yeah. kind of lumped them together. That really makes more sense because we're obsessed in our our society with the physical nature of things. Mm. Um, and so, of course, playing and or, or the physical aspects of, of athletics, which is obviously there in both, both uh, disciplines, but it's it's of the mind, mm-hmm. you know. Let's let's, and, and I think uh, being hesitant to train the mind instead of the body, mm-hmm. not instead of, but to include it as yeah. as, as uh, such an important thing. Everything that we're talking about, that we're having fun with the music stuff, it's of the mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have spent the time and and, and learned. Uh, the facility enough for the mind to come out, right? You know, as does because that's muscle memory, yeah. Right? That, yeah. You know, we've we've yes. done those. Jordan, there's a reason yeah. why he hits ninety percent free throws. He's done a, th- yes. you know, he's done thirty thousand. But as throws. does the athlete, because yeah. uh, especially it's also not forget most of the time in music it's a team sport. Mm-hmm. Well, team sports, uh, there's all those things um, that you have to not only be personally responsible for, but but then and then. But reacting to all kinds of variables, you know, mm-hmm. they call baseball the thinking man's game. But you know, mm-hmm. it, 
there there is all those all those different things. So of course there's the physical aspect to it, but the ball comes to you and you get it, what do you do with it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I caught the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, and, and, and if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, and that's, that's those same processes, mm-hmm. you know, and, which yeah. is why they go out there and take ground ball, ground ball, ground ball, uh, yeah. batting cage, batting cage, yeah. batting cage, you know, mm-hmm. golfers, golf, yeah. technique. Yeah. Right? I golf is it. ultimate technique sport. Absolutely. For sure. yeah. You know, think of like brute strength. It's not brute strength. You know, certainly mm-hmm. strength will play a role, mm-hmm. but it's technique yeah. that is successful. And that precision, that only comes one way. Yeah. You guys do it a million times, and you're concentrating, you're using your brain, yeah. you're, you know, yeah. And tennis. Right. Uh, you know, the, there's, a, there's a book that I love, The Inner Game of Music, that I, I encourage every musician to read, but it started with The Inner Game of Tennis. Yeah. You know, but think about, like, Roger Federer. You know, he beats opponents before they even play mm-hmm. because he's so headstrong and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's like, if somebody loses their cool, they're gone. Yeah. You know, he's just going to wipe them up, you know, because he's technically sound and, you know, he has this inner game. Yeah, right. So, and so much of, of, of music making is inner game. Yeah. So I was introduced to that book in college. So, I, you know, I encourage all of my students or friends or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a good read. Yeah, I like that man. Um, so Tim Timothy Galloway. Timothy Galloway is the author of one of them. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. So, one one big question to kind of wrap up here that we could probably talk forever on, but you mentioned earlier about doing doing kind of the other stuff, the making the calls and kind of that. This is another thing that I've been really obsessed with with music is that. The big, a big part of it is learning your actual craft of doing, sitting there doing the practicing in your practice room. But the one thing that has always been annoying to me about like college, for example, is that when I got out, you know, what I knew, I always felt that like when, like say you go into public school, most of the people that come into public school and teach their playing ability is so far beyond what they really need for this job. And what they really need more training on is like learning how to come at a student and how to discipline them. And so the pedagogy Mm -hmm. stuff. And so I felt the same way when I came out and started gigging is that I felt like, you know, I was, you know, overqualified is a silly thing to say, but I felt like my playing ability was plenty of what I needed. What I was really confused at is like when, what is when like I'm dealing with a bandmate and how do I deal with that bandmate like emotionally and conversationally and like when when in college you'd ask a string quartet like you don't even ask if we're gonna rehearse yeah we're gonna you know I mean that it's breathing you know I mean you don't even ask that question you ask when not if you but well you go talk to some country guys and they're like oh yeah you know we'll just go you know we'll just pick all three chord tunes and then we'll just go wing it you know and and so that was a lot of the kinds of stuff that I that took me a long time, the being flexible kinds of stuff and how many decisions you gotta make being in a band, like where are we gonna go look for gigs, right? Who who is gonna talk on this mic, right? What are we gonna wear to the shows? Like are we gonna have uh who are we gonna make a website? You know, who's gonna advertise? What songs are we gonna play? You know, there's like these thousand decisions that we never had to make in classical, right? There's all decided yeah. And then and then also like the idea of the business side of, of music of 
my dad, the accountant, you know, he's like, so how much did you make last year? And I'm like, uh, you know, cause I didn't ever make a spreadsheet. I didn't, you know, I write, keep track of my gigs. I didn't, uh, when I'm up on stage, he's like, how do you tell jokes to the audience mm. to get them to, you know, have eyes to the stage? How do you come at this bar owner? All that kind right. of stuff is all the business talk stuff, about that. all the business stuff I'm still trying to work on. Cause I, I was fortunate through most of my professional full-time life, you know, playing with Ida McBath, you know, mm. that was all her stuff. You know, mm. here's where I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to wear this, so I show up and, you know, do it, get paid and go home. That, you know, I realize now how simple, how easy that was, and I've gone back and thanked her, you know, thank you for all the work, you know, uh, and, and, and every band leader that I play with now, because I do a lot of one-offs as, as a hired yeah. gun because of the aforementioned repertoire mm. and versatility. <clears throat> but I, th I thank the band leader at the end of the night for the work because I know that it didn't just magically appear. Mm -hmm. So um, ever since, you know, basically starting this brand that is Troubadour Retrievers, which kind of grew out of, of uh, Jerry's Jam Night, um, thrown into the stuff that I have no skill set for. College didn't teach me music business. Yes. So you're right. Any music degree... Um, especially a performance one. I mean, there's probably a music business degree at this point, but yeah. it's like to be complete, you gotta have that in there. Yeah. I'd say more studio as well, and that's, boy, we could talk for hours in studio, because yeah. that's, that's my real passion, yeah. is studio stuff, uh, and now running my own studio as well. Uh, but boy, talk about time consumption. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm just having to learn, because somebody's gotta do it, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, uh, what what I say towards the beginning, the sloth of the the modern musician. Yeah, they don't want to do a lot of things. I don't want to do it either. Yeah, but my livelihood does depend upon yeah. it. So somebody's got to do it. There we go. So just kind of started started figuring out. Okay, mm -hmm. how am I going to do all these things? And my girlfriend Nicole did tons, and she she's the one that kind of encouraged me. Okay, maybe you should like. Be more in charge of your own destiny yeah. and start creating these things. Um, and 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 she's been right in every respect because it's broadened, you know, my my uh, base of of uh, your network, you know, all over the place, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and but yeah, as far as hands-on work, I mean, she built the Troubadour Retrievers website. Yeah. She all those lyrics that are yeah. there. She made those wow. lyrics. Oh yeah. So wow. Good it's for still her. oh That's absolutely. Nice thing to her. Oh, yeah. it's unbelievable how much she's done. And and at, at the time that that she was doing all this stuff, I felt that nobody was appreciating that. I was the only one that was, you know, privy to all that. And so I, eventually she got some uh, some thanks. You know, but yeah. we're talking like stupid amounts of work. Yeah, and so that's great. That kudos you did that. to her, absolutely. So, so I can't take credit, but you know, but so you know, that's what kind of started the the process. I guess it's been about six years since that brand, you know, and then in the time being, uh, Beauty and the McBeast with Crystal mm -hmm. Gatewood. But you know, ultimately in that product, she's doing most of that behind the scenes business. I'm doing the studio stuff because we're writing, writing and recording an album to be released hopefully by Christmas. Mm -hmm. In fact, I just had a session last night, brought in a flautist. It was awesome. That's cool. Yeah. And I'm going to have you back. Oh, well, thank uh, you. Yeah, you're, it was fun to do that. Yeah, you're already on one, but yeah. uh, there's there's another one that I, 
get, get you in on violin. On. But so that product um, around the same time that uh, well, basically some clubs, some jazz clubs were dying, which was just kind of killed my livelihood. Had to start creating stuff. So uh, Lonnie Miller approached me about doing this uh, uh, Special Forces, mm -hmm. uh, a tribute to 38 Special. So doing that project as well. And um, one thing college did prepare me for, specifically my uh, professor, Dr. Lawrence Captain. Um, the first thing he said to me was like, you need to buy a day planner, mm -hmm. which back then was paper, you know, oh, right, and now yeah. of course digital's fantastic. Yeah. In fact, I have everyone's calendars, okay, so-and-so, I can't, I can't book this gig because so-and-so's, yes. uh, you know, but Tributor Retrievers versus any other, I call it a brand, we're a different lineup every gig. Yeah, right. We're all in a million bands, we're all longtime pros, we all have a huge repertoire, right. so, you know, you were talking about rehearsing. We've never rehearsed, not right. once. Yeah. It's, it's but you anyway. But, but you've set that up, and, and you found people that you can actually do that with, yeah, and right? If, yeah. if I can't book a what I call a capable lineup, it doesn't happen. Right. Because you can't misrepresent the brand and take mm -hmm. an inferior product out there. Right. Um, you know, so, yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a long discussion there. But, so, but yeah, the, the, trying to keep the schedule straight when... You're playing in a million bands and studio sessions, interviews with Rob Foster. <laughs> um, so how many guys? And that's the other thing is that like, is is what we what we hope as musicians that we can just go in our practice room, we practice, and then we get called for gigs. But I was another guy. I can't remember who it was on the show. Or uh, Phil Shirelli was talking about that his son plays with Florida Georgia Line. Okay, and so they were talking about that he went to audition for them, and these guys like had him sit in a room and play for like, God, three minutes or something, and they're like, okay, let's go have a beer, you know, and then so he played for three minutes, mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, we've heard enough, you know, and so then they went for an hour and went and talked to the dude, and I was like, that is freaking genius because yeah. we already know you're fine, you know, you True. can play. We want to know basically how you're gonna be on the road. We want to know, you know, what, you know, do you have a freaking calendar, yeah. right? Do you are Who you gonna are we be investing in? Yes, and the personality wise yeah. and. That I think is one of the huge things that of why these guys aren't working and why these guys are is because of like general flakiness, not answering the phone, yeah. not knowing oh, when the gig is. Nuts. Anybody, there's, there's, you know, I don't even want to know the number, but 500 musicians in town that are plenty good enough players to play gigs all the time, but they're no, they're uh, don't care. They don't care. Don't care. Because they don't have their crap together. They don't no. have the calendar. Communicate with know. me. Show up on time. Have good attitude. Yeah, yeah. don't be a jerk. Yeah. All, all of those things. And of course, you know, Trubert or Retrievers. But, uh, you know, Guy Hodgson's a jerk. Brett Belay's a jerk. <laughs> Bruce Haley's a jerk. Eric Nettle's a jerk. All of them yeah. jerks. And that's why we get along so well. Yeah. <laughs> that's part yeah, of it. Craig's definitely a jerk. Hey, Craig's a jerk. <laughs> you know, Captain Chaos. So, yeah. we, you know, we all have yeah. nicknames for one another yeah. and purposefully... Uh, it's like sport to us. Yeah. That childish, uh, you know, locker room, you know, <laughs> jock kind of behavior, yeah. you know, making fun. And we do it publicly, too. Craig and Boulay, they, they probably need to be given crap once in a while for something. I don't know what for, but probably for something. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, man, um, <laughs> it's fun. So yeah, I'm just I'm really glad to talk to people like yourself because I think you and I are very much on the same page with a lot of the stuff of the the just responsibility factor of you of for your career and get your crap together and do the work, you know, and and really uh, take take it kind of into your own hands. And boy, you'd be surprised, you know, what uh, what you can do and and. Really, really quick to finish up. Just, just talk a little bit about the recording stuff that you were done because we haven't oh. really talked about that yet. Well, I've been obsessed with sound on sound since I was a child. I mean, my father played guitar and he had a band rehearsing when I was a kid, so he put a guitar in my hands when I was like four. Yeah, wow. And then I started studying uh, drums with he's actually my stepdad now, a guy named Ron White, when I was six. Um, so by the time I was seven or so, I had already been actually studying, not just being babysat, drums for a year and been playing guitar and learning all, you know, dad taught me, you know, House of the Rising Sun and, mm -hmm. and Ghost Rising in the Sky. Those were the first tunes I ever learned. And um, so, but you know, when you're seven years old and you're already playing a couple of instruments and you got nobody to play with. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, was, I was given this little tape recorder with a little mic, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I set set that up by the drum set and play into the tape recorder. What's then, the tape recorder? That tape recorder, right? Your kids. Um, <laughs> so then I I would you know play that tape over a louder system, so drums are coming through those speakers and play guitar against yeah. that back into the little tape recorder. Right. Then take that tape, put it back there, stand next to the tape recorder and sing, you know. And, you know, of course, every generation is getting horrible, you know, but that was the only way I could make music with myself. And, and that, a long time ago, teaches you how to get inside of a song, Yeah. you know, because like drummers especially, I can't stand when they, you know, I, I play drums, you know, and all they're thinking about is drums. It's like, that's the last thing I'm thinking about when I'm drumming is drums. You're, you're driving a bus and we got a whole bunch of stuff going on here. You got to understand everything's going on yeah so and everybody does you know I ideally so but uh but that was that was invaluable starting to do that mm -hmm. so then dual cassette deck back you know, still cassettes blah 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 record on one play play to one record and, you know because I know some other people have done this then you get your first four track cassette mm -hmm. that was probably that was late elementary school um, and and I think all the way through high school. And then my buddy, aforementioned buddy Justin Collette, uh, he got an eight-track cassette. Like, oh wow, we could record eight things on this cassette. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, so that took it to another level. And um, and then years pass, and finally at, at age forty, I buy a house, um, and uh, and now of course get into the the more current things. The DAW essentially recording software. Mm. Uh, the industry standard is Pro Tools, but I use Cubase. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then so that's a whole other ball game yeah. now because you're buying mics constantly. And, yeah, right. And all this kind of stuff, and uh, and learning this software, uh, and that's why I say you know maybe teaching it more in school because I would have loved to have learned that. Yeah, you know, but right. but there, there wasn't time for those courses with yeah. these courses and. And whatever, but there's definitely schools that that have sound you know, degrees and yeah, sure. there's one in Phoenix. Actually, yeah. Justin went to it. I know um, uh, North Texas is big for that. Right? North Texas yeah, is big everything yeah, music, right? You know, best drumline, best jazz school. And you you said something interesting that that I thought about too is that so when I'm dealing with all my sight readers, their whole 
crap and all of their energy is out, right? Because they're, they're reading this page and they, they aren't feeling this internal thing. And I don't even know how to describe it, but they're, but I know, I know when I close my eyes and I play by ear, everything is like in, mm -hmm. like my whole energy level is in. You just mentioned that when, when people are drumming, they're kind of doing that in sort of thing. But when you and I play, we're like listening out. And like you, you were talking about, I'm not even worried about what's in here right now. Team all sport. I'm listening to all the crap out there. And, and that's probably another one of those, uh, 100% one of those clueless, you know, falls in that clueless category of some people that just, they just don't listen at all to what else is going on stage. They've turned up to yeah. seven and they, yeah. you know, um, do you think that's a huge problem with, with, Generally, level musicians. I mean, your, your finer musicians, even if they're not, I'll give you an a example because we, we, we talk about that, this in ourselves all the time. Guy uh, Hodson, who, you know, I've played with for years and stuff, you know, he's not like a, a studied drummer and technically, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, he, he put on the headphones and played play to uh, rock records and stuff. So in certain settings, there's, you know, he wouldn't be able to hang. Mm -hmm. um, you know, stick a chart in front of them or, right. or, you know, something actually written and that kind of stuff. But when it comes time to play in, play in these songs, he plays the song mm -hmm. and it's, it's ideal, you yeah. know? So I'll take that any day over, you know, well, I could do all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, but this song doesn't have all that stuff. Yeah. So why don't you play the song? Yeah. You know, and, and he could, you know, sing like a bird. I... Most of the, the finer musicians I know uh, play more than one instrument. Mm. Of course, I'm known for doing that because yeah. I chose to kind of play the whole rhythm section. I wish I were better at that. Yeah, I yeah. studied that more. But um, so so that's why I get really get inside of a song because I understand everything that's going yeah. on. But uh, you know, I've got some friends with some weird doubles. Um, Forrest Stewart uh, played bass with Ida all that time and 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 whatnot and. I hire him to, to do a lot of recording sessions on bass because he's awesome. Yeah. But his other instrument is horn and F, French horn. Yeah. Freedom horn. Yeah, yeah. that's... Um, that's a weird that's, double. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. You know? Those Paul, are very different instruments. Yeah. yeah. That's you know, weird. But, you know, that but that's certainly going to broaden some horizon on the other. Yeah. His bass solos are, are lines. They're horn lines. Yeah. He doesn't play like everybody else's bass solos. He plays lines. Yeah. Well, he plays this other more you know yeah. linear melodic instrument, right? Right. So that that's what I mean, tapping into side to other stuff, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I, I yeah I, I not like just that play your too, instrument. That there's some, there's some people that are just they're just plain listening, and other people are just in their own element. And I know that yeah, this happens a lot when we go into like country when you try to get somebody else to a person who's not kind of a country guy and try to get them to play country, well, the beat is not the problem. It's that they need to just back the hell off. You know, they need to play what they're supposed to be playing and not fill every, like a drummer, fill every four bars of the entire freaking song. Mm -hmm. And that that is one of the things that does drive me nuts as a, because we've had talked about this on the show too, of when, when I was in my eight piece country band, we had violin, steel, and guitar, all filling in that oh, space, yeah. you know, sing, 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 and then you got your bar space, Boy, sing, 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 bar space, and then we would have guys. the bass and the drummer putting fills. So now we've got five people filling in that little tiny, you know, Charles and, Ives. 
Yes. <laughs> and, and so like, so that, that was one of the things that kind of does annoy me. And it's, it's better when you guys have like a trio thing, because there's so much room there. That, that's my opinion that it's, it's, you can fill more when it's less people. I, I've heard some other people argue about that, but when you have more people in your band, you need to like, like fill zero times, you know? And, oh, yeah. and that just sucks because the drummer is just sitting here, boom, chick, boom, chick, but Always. I'm sorry, dude, you know, like, Always be musically sensitive to mm -hmm. what's going on. Yes, you play differently in a trio than you play in a large ensemble, mm -hmm. and different rooms. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of drum, drummers again are really guilty. Of this small room, you don't beat the crap out of the drums. Can you not play softer in a big room? Hit them. Yes. Don't be a wuss. Yeah. We, we need it, right? Uh, to to be that that range, and and you were talking about musically too, filling space. Um, and I've hardly been able to experience like playing like an arena or that kind of stuff. Mm. But think about music that sounds good in an arena versus a club. Yes. It's got to be sparse. Yes. When you have an instant, you know, 15 second reverb, mm, you know, yeah. over the whole facility, some music's just going to be cacophony. It's not yeah. going to work, you know. Um, but yeah, one way or another, just at all times, be musical, musically sensitive. Do what serves the song. Yeah. Right. Get over yourself. Mm. And do. And that's what the problem. Serves the right. Song. That's the, that's the problem. Is Lord there, knows there, I show off. I'm guilty. Yeah. There. Especially in live. Me 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 mode. And yeah. Instead of yeah. You know me. I, I, a lot of look at look at me. Look at me. Look at look what I can do. I work hard yeah. for this. Blah blah. Right. Just showing off. Mm -hmm. And you know we, you can get away with that to a certain degree. Um, but what happens right after that? You stop in me, me, me mode, right? Yeah, and, and then, then the singer you, you, you. and you know what times, because there's times oh, yeah. to do that and there's times not Absolutely. to. Absolutely, it's your turn. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, and so like I, I don't, I know that I, in the last little bit, I'm, I've been a lot more. I don't know if I do it all, all the time, but I know that I'm thinking about that a lot, probably too much. You know that that I probably could even come out more in those moments and shred harder when I'm supposed to, and then. But, but like, I know that I'm thinking about that a lot and it, it really is frustrating when that, that cluelessness happens and they don't, you know, that there's a player that doesn't, we're not on the same wave. Harmonica player. Harmonica player. I'm kind of over harmonica, dude. <laughs> like, no, yeah, I, since I've been in Kansas City, I'm, you know. You know, I, I only say it because I, I can't even, you know, think of uh, anyone because I don't know that many harmonica yeah. players, but... Yeah, some get it and some don't. But yeah, there's something about that instrument where they're just like playing full throttle all the time, and it's like, what? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get it. It's like this. This, this is a verse. The singer's singing. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe find a hole and yeah, would just fill the hole. Mm -hmm. But it's just a tiny hole. Come on now. One thing, and I guess so. We're probably about about wrapping up here. The one thing to go back to what you were saying about the business side of it. The I think what one thing that you maybe did, and you can correct me this, is that you none of us are good at that kind of stuff as musicians. We're not good at keeping track of our own crap, and we're like we're mm. creative people in general, and so all the business side is already really hard for us. But one thing that is helpful sometimes is when you do have a girlfriend, and you can go not know you can have again the the non cluelessness of knowing you're bad at this. Secondly, knowing you need to do something about it, and then third, going and asking for help if you can't, you know, and and like 
which some people, they go get a manager if they're big, you know, if they're sort of big time mm-hmm. and they go, I don't want to deal with this. I want somebody else to oh, deal with it. Oh, that would be know? lovely. But yeah. But it's the, it's the, also the willingness to, to do, willingness to step up and go obviously do the work, but obviously to, the willingness to not be lazy and go to find somebody who can help you with this. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what you think about that if some people just are... Well, the, the kind of person there that, that inevitably will, will drive me nuts is the, the kind that will sit there and point at someone's success and be like, how come they're doing that and I'm not? And it's like, well, they're doing it. You're just sitting there talking about it, but you're not doing it. You can talk about it all you want. But, and so especially to be envious of someone, it's like, uh, this is something my girlfriend talks about. If you're going to be envious of someone, you got to take the crap too. Mm-hmm. You can't just handpick the good stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Trade so, off. Yeah. And and I, I see that a lot. You know this this kind of thing. Why are they successful? Why you know because they're not even very good or they're right. kind of like, yeah. well that doesn't matter. A they're they're doing the work to get there, uh, and obviously it's working or they're you know because let's back this is a business. In bars and stuff, if, if people aren't drinking, it, it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're back to get over yourself, you know? That's I, a I huge you, argument. I heard you and our, Craig yeah. talk about yeah. that, and yeah. he's absolutely right on that. Yeah. You know, and, and even the, the, the whole Troubadour Retrievers thing, we don't make set lists. We're a jukebox. We play. What, do, what does the audience want to hear? It's a cover band. Yeah. Right. You know, get over yourself. And instead, you know, it's like, oh, I, I just want to play stuff that nobody wants to hear. <laughs> okay, good luck with that. You know, and I get that as, you know, because, right. you know, I, I'm listening to the musical box by Genesis on my right. radio. Right, yeah, you know? right. Right, like the stuff that you have to actually be a Genesis fan to know. Right. Right? 30 minute epic. Dream Theater would be Dream Theater and Rush. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, what Rush. I personally dig. You right. know, I'm a. You know, I listen to Chick Corea and, and you know, <laughs> but yeah, on my own stuff. But it's like, and so it is kind of surrendering, selling out, you know, to the dumbing down of America as, as it is in terms of artistic mm-hmm. uh, things, all things artistic. Um, See, that's the argument that they're going to say, right? That the, these jazz guys are going to be like, well, I'm not selling out. I'm not going to sell my And soul they do and sell that. I'm like... You know, I'm going to have integrity, right? Yeah. That's what they'll say. And, and like... Enjoy flipping that burger, man. Yeah, right. I don't want to. Yeah. I, I, I would rather, as much as I'll cringe, but I'll... Uh, but Mustang Sally, let's kick its ass. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah, because let's that's the crap what they out of Mustang hear. Sally today. Yeah, yeah. They haven't heard it a million times like we have. Yeah. Played it, but, you know, it's like, it's it's special to them. Yeah, and you guys Why are going to do it as... Them that? Yeah. Why deny them that? They're, you know, yeah. this is about the, them. Right. This isn't about you. Do your job, get paid, go home. Yeah. And listen to Dream Theater. Yeah, yeah. right. So. And, and you said something, too. I love that you said that about people. And, you know, we, we could go all day, you know, what this means for our world, I guess, about the putting everything, you know, the problem on everyone else. You know, about, the, you know, it's the... The club owners are just, you know, greedy, da-da-da. This band, I, I love that you said that. They're not even good. All of us hear that like 90 times a day from other people. You know, they're not even they're not even good players. It's not How really for they, us to decide. You know, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, go, go whoop them then, right? Is go, that do the, the, go do it. Go or, kick or, or join you know? them. 
Yeah. Be supportive of them, you know, because yeah. I, you know, actually, I do think right now, and I've noticed by and large, the Kansas City scene, it's it's generally pretty supportive of yes. one another. Yes. It's a beautiful I thing. I love that. You know, because I've seen times where it was more cutthroat, and I was like, yeah, why? I've heard New York's not like that. Yeah. New York is pretty cutthroat, you know, and KC is, you know. Uh, get over yourself, <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, yeah, we're probably probably wrapping up. Um, tell tell you, them you said that 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I know, dude. I kind of We can go on and on. We could go on and on. Tell them your uh, tell them your two things that you got going one more time. The Troubadour Retrievers. Uh, Troubadour Retrievers is is a band that I book. That's TroubadourRetrievers.com and Facebook and all that business. Beauty and the McBeast. Uh, that's McBeast with two E's since it's a play on my name. Um, with Crystal Gatewood. So that that project's only been going for about a year and it's it's been highly successful. Yeah. So I give that credit to her. Uh, special Forces, uh, Salute to 38 Special, it's a 38 Special tribute band. Uh, we mostly play out of town, but we are playing Lee Summit Fest this year, but or Oktoberfest in Lee Summit. And, you know, I, I'm I'm a hired gun, mm-hmm. you know. I, um, God, I, was, I hate to, what's a nice word for, let's say whore. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, I, you know, I, I have to. Um, you know, to to uh, to pay bills. Yeah. You know, and and but being the things we talked about. You know, okay, you're proficient at multiple instruments. That's pretty advantageous. Mm-hmm. Multiple styles on all set instruments. Show up on time. Don't be a jerk. You know, be and be prepared. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know that that goes. I'm an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. More nerd stuff. Be prepared. Be prepared. Hey. <laughs> It's good stuff. So it's a big thing, though. I, I know for myself, I, I love the idea of being able to hang with all sorts of stuff, at least barely be able to, you know, have some jazz tunes you could actually call, know some rock tunes, know, know crazy and uh, your cheating heart, you know, know some typical country tunes. And so when you get on stage, you're not completely screwed. <laughs> you know, I, I like, I think that's really neat to be able to do that. It keeps you employable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm looking at your real book over here. I'm yeah. Like, you know, be able to, to hang with that. Yeah, right. At least some of the tunes, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, cool, man. Um, yeah, this is a cool thing you're doing. I, I, you know, I've been watching some of the interviews. I know it's, you asked me about doing this a long time ago. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, right. I'm busy, which is ultimately true because yeah. uh, of everything we've talked about. Right, yeah. But I was like, man, I got to make, you know, I got to do this. So, and uh, so you just contacted me. I had a, a uh, I have a recording client that I usually meet on, on Tuesdays uh, who, who had just had surgery. So um, uh, he was out and I was like, there's a window and, and it worked for you. Yeah. So, well, thanks, you know, for, thanks for making the effort, man. I appreciate it. It's I a knew cool you'd thing. Be, uh, thanks. It's a cool thing you're doing. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to just talk to a lot of people and I, I, I like a lot of me- different music different kinds of music so I've met kind of a lot of different scenes in town and teaching people jazz guys uh the blues scene you know country guys so it's it's been fun and I hope to continue it and, and tons get some of good amazing musicians in Casey there's a lot of them a lot of them I know awesome. uh, my buddy Brad Williams um when he was playing in our band I'm like I'm like, oh, yep, that's all the drummers. We're screwed. Or that that's all the bass players there are in town. We're screwed. There's no more. And then he brings like five more of them out of the woodworks that nobody's ever heard of. 
you know, there's just so many great, great people here and, and we have a really good scene. So I wanted yeah. to kind of, you know, share that with a lot of people over the internet. But, um, yeah, well, uh, that's, that's the show. This has been Casey Music Talk. This is uh, Scotty McBee. Thanks for coming, Absolutely, man. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, but uh, he's, like you said, he, he's got this... Uh, Really, really fun jam at uh, Jerry's Bait Shop. So come out and, and every Wednesday, every Wednesday, and uh, Troubadour Retrievers and uh, uh, the Beauty and the McBeast. So uh, yeah, check out all those uh, things he's got going on. So we'll be back next time with some other person talking about stuff. So uh, get out of here. See you guys later. Go practice. Yeah, go practice. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs>